This episode is brought to you by The One Summit, two days that would change your life forever. For tickets, go to theonesummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Steve Hayter. And I'm Brett Hill. And yes, today we are without Sarah again. She's off uh, educating the world. Uh, but today's guest is a great mate of That Paleo Show and a- uh, actually provided the inspiration for Steph, Yana and Brett to start the podcast over one year ago when he visited Australia. His passion and enthusiasm for helping others so that they may discover a better quality of life through lifestyle and nutrition is evident to anybody who has read his blog, listened to his podcast, or read any of his books. Welcome back to the show, the man with the biggest heart in the business, Jimmy Moore. Oh, wow. I've got to trademark that. The man with the biggest heart in the business. I like that, you guys. (laughs) Hey, guys. Welcome. Thank you for having me back. And it's great because it's true, Jimmy. You're a legend. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, welcome back, Jimmy. It's uh, it's great to have you back to hear um, what you've been up to and, and discuss the upcoming uh, book, Keto Clarity. But um, mm-hmm. perhaps for those uh, who are new to the show or, or don't follow you yet, uh, could you tell us a little bit about you and, and where it all started? Sure. So uh, I live in the United States. Spartanburg, South Carolina is the name of the town I live in. We would never I have can- guessed, Jimmy. <laughs> you, you mean I don't talk like a southerner in the United States? So uh, actually, if you guys think I'm a bad southern speaker, you should hear some real southern speakers here. They're, they're a lot worse than I am. But uh, yeah, I uh, 10 years ago actually weighed 410 pounds. What is that? About 200 kilo? Just Somewhere around there. Yeah. It's a lot. Uh, I was a big boy. And so I needed to lose weight and I was on prescription medications for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, breathing problems. I had a very big waist size, five uh, XL shirts. I, I was a literal mess at the age of 32 and needed to do something about my weight and health. Um, and my wife was getting con- you know, concerned about me and wanted to you know, have me do diets and get lose weight. But I tried all the things that we were told were healthy and that's cutting your fat, cutting your calories, exercising till you drop. And none of those things ever were sustainable for me. But I found out about a new kind of plan from my mother-in-law. She bought me a diet book. Anybody ever had a mother-in-law buy them books to kind of nudge them in the direction? So she bought me uh, one in Christmas of 2003 that made me go, hmm, what in the world is this? And that book was Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution. I read that book and I thought, man, this doctor is whacked out of his mind. How can you possibly cut out the carbohydrates in your diet? Isn't that where you get your energy from? How can you tell people to eat more fat in their diet? Doesn't he know that's going to raise your cholesterol and clog your arteries, you know, all these things that we just believe to be true. But I said, you know what? I've tried everything else and it's all failed me before. What the heck? Let's give it a whirl. So I started a new year's resolution, January 1st, 2004. And I went on this Atkins 
diet. And in the first month, I lost 30 pounds, about, uh, what, 13 kilo. And then the second month, lost another 40 pounds. By the end of 100 days, 100 pounds. And by the end of that year, it was a total of 180 pounds. And uh, that was kind of my claim to fame in this space was I was able to lose a lot of weight in a short amount of time. So people were asking me how to do it, how to do it. And so I started, um, you know, getting all these emails from people and I said, okay, what am I going to do? Somebody suggested, why don't you create a blog? I said, what's a blog? (laughs) This was 2005. (laughs) Nobody knew what a blog was in 2005 other than political blogs were kind of popular then, but not health blogs. So I created the Living La Vida Low Carb blog and it got pretty popular pretty quick. And so a year later, this guy came to me and said, you know what? You need your own podcast show. I said, what is a podcast? This was 2006. (laughs) Now, of course, everybody and their mama has a podcast now. But uh, back then, it was very few people doing it in the health space. Don't don't feel bad, Jimmy, because when when Lawrence suggested we start a podcast in 2011, that was my answer. <laughs> By then, you should know what a po- actually. I think you were you were on my podcast uh, around that time, so yeah, you you barely knew them, I guess. <laughs> but now they're more ubiquitous, and and people are learning a whole lot from these different podcasts. And yours yours is definitely fitting that bill. Hey, so Jimmy, it's been I guess about six or twelve months since we spoke to you last, and yeah, you know, one of the things we love about you is you're always doing these, you know, n equals one experiments. You know, you're always willing to be the guinea pig and to sort of yeah. give it a crack and try it on yourself and see what happens. And and you're very particular about you know measuring the results and and really being scientific about it and seeing what happens to your bloods and all of those sort of things. So, you know, what what's been your latest sort of work and developments over the last six or twelve months? What have you changed and what results have you seen? Sure. So after the end of my official experiment, which we talk about in Keto Clarity of nutritional ketosis, I did that for one year from May of 2012. In fact, I visited uh, Australia right in the middle of that, about six months in, was when I was in Australia. And so I shared uh, a lecture there of how it's gone so far. Uh, I did end up doing that for an entire year By the end of the year, it was like, okay, I know what it takes to get into ketosis. I know kind of a lot of the nuances. I'd done so many kind of sub-experiments within the experiment. And and I did try to do it scientifically, Brett, because I think too many people do sloppy kind of experiments, and they really don't control the variables. Mm. And so I tried to control all those variables. Uh, What have I done lately? I've been writing a book. That's what I've been doing lately. So not not so many new new experiments, although I would love to, um, and my wife has actually already agreed to do this. This is a a That Paleo Show exclusive. I haven't really revealed this anywhere, Uh, but, but Christine has agreed to want to test the whole resistant starch thing that's out there right now. So she's pretty hot and heavy into ketosis. So let's see if she can have the resistant starch and still keep her ketones and keep her blood sugar under control. Um, She's willing to be the guinea pig for that. Um, I would like to do that at some point. Right now, I'm kind of de-stressing from writing a book for the past eight months. (laughs) (laughs) And you know all about that, Brett. Uh, It's a a good stress, but it's a stress nonetheless that can uh, wreak havoc on things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Jimmy, um, I saw a movie a little while ago with Sarah, and I loved it. It was called The Serial Killers Movie. And, oh, yeah. And um, they had it available, which was super generous for a, a, about a week um, where you could watch it uh, at no cost on, on Vimeo. 
And yep. uh, speaking of, of guinea pigs there, where you were talking about uh, your wife uh, doing that resistant starch experiments, uh, Donal uh, from Wales uh, went along and did uh, that experiment yep. there in South Africa where he did a high-fat diet, low-carb, yep. to, to do a, a little bit of a super size me style of experiment. And lo and behold, whose name should I see in the credits at the end there and, and your name? Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement <laughs> with that movie? Yeah, so Donnell uh, wrote to me in the midst of my experiment with nutritional ketosis, and he was like, that sounds cool. Do you mind if I kind of steal some of your ideas for adding more fat into my diet? And I'm trying to make this documentary film, which I, I think he did a fabulous job. If yeah. you haven't seen Serial Killer, go get Serial Killer. We actually showed that in the pre-cruise, the pre-low-carb cruise uh, dinner this year, and everybody loved it. Of course, Professor Noakes was just a superstar in that film as yes. well from South Africa. But, yeah, I, I didn't really do a whole lot other than kind of, I guess, inspire him uh, to do that. He did send me you know, various uh, parts of the film as it was being created, and I was like, dude, this is awesome. We need to get this in movie theaters all over the world. I know he's shown it there in Australia. He actually came to the United States and had some premieres, so uh, – yeah, yeah, that was that was a fun project, and and I'm seeing a lot more of those kind of documentaries popping up. There's another one uh, that's coming in America called Carb Loaded. Yes, it's supposed to be mm -hmm. coming later this year, which is going to be a a biggie as well. I, I know my friend um, Tom Naughton, who did Fathead, is actually working on a a kids film that will incorporate a lot of these kind of concepts too. So lots of good things coming down the pike. Yeah, absolutely. And for perhaps uh, for some people who serial killers was maybe their first visual introduction to uh, a ketogenic diet. Um, mm -hmm. for, for people who are, are just starting out and perhaps, uh, you know, uh, haven't got the things like the technology to, to measure their ketones and stuff like that. One of the things that Donnell said in, in that uh, in, in the documentary was he noticed that about seven days in that he had a body odor that that sort of was significant or indicated that he'd switched over to fat burning. Um, what are some indicators that people can pick up themselves uh, just by personal observation um, that they'll know that they've switched from a sugar burning machine to a, to a fat burning machine? Well, certainly there are some outward signs and I don't know how universal they are to everybody. I can just tell you what's happened to me. Um, I don't have the body odor thing. I, I hope I take enough showers that that doesn't become <laughs> too prevalent. But one thing I do notice when I'm in a state of ketosis uh, that's a pretty good level uh, for therapeutic purposes is I have – it's kind of this little bit of a film feel on the tongue, so to speak, um, that you just kind of feel it on your tongue. It's it's not a gross thing and I don't mean to get too graphic, but but you kind of you feel that. And of course – the uh, psychological changes, you feel in a better mood, your mind is clearer, you have, um, you know, you're not hangry, I guess, you're not like, and hunger is well under control, you know, you, you have kind of these intangible things about how you're doing, I mean, we're sitting here, it's almost 9 o'clock p.m. my time, and I've eaten one time today, I tested my blood ketones earlier today. It was 1.4 millimolar, which is really good, right in the sweet spot of where you want to be. And, you know, the sophistication of the technology for testing has gotten better. Uh, I don't think there's an excuse now for people not to at least be testing in some way. Traditionally, it's the urine ketone uh, testing. Uh, I tested with blood ketones, but there's emerging technology 
to measure for breath ketones. There's this guy in Sweden. We talk about this in Keto Clarity. A uh, guy in Sweden actually has epilepsy, and he's controlling his seizures with a ketogenic diet. So he mm. created this little breath meter called ketonics that you can blow into, and it'll show you your level of, of fat burning, of, of ketone burning, uh, so you can know where you stand. And people need to use those kinds of tools to get there. Otherwise, it's just a guessing game. That's really cool. And, and that just takes it to a whole other level of, of ease of use, doesn't it? I mean, how simple is that? Yeah. Just, just breathing into it. And, and the cool thing about that breath meter is it's $100, uh, which yeah. is not very much. And you can use it thousands of times. So you think about those blood strips. Um, now, you guys in Australia, you can get them relatively cheap. The uh, Was it Freestyle Optium, I believe is what it's called there in Australia. So those those test strips are 70 cents in Australia. In America, those same test strips are $5. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, so a cost effectiveness with the breath meters is definitely worth uh, investing. And there, there's going to be a whole lot more coming down the pike. There's a, a company out in Arizona that's working on one that will be a little more sophisticated than the Catonics. There's uh, Japanese developers that are working on like an iPhone app that you can just blow into and it'll show you instant results and it'll track it all for you. So, yeah, the technology with this is is just so I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be fascinating. All right, so Jimmy, you've mentioned obviously you've done that 12-month experiment and obviously like you said, when, when we saw you last, you were halfway through. So I'd love to uh, sort of get the update of you know what were, the, what were the final results of your experiment? What did you find as you went through that 12 months? Uh, you know, what changed? What did you measure? How did it all go? Yeah, so what I did was I started in May of 2012 and went to May of 2013 and I tested for blood sugar, um, blood ketones, and I also did my weight just because people think that's an interesting thing. I don't. I think weight is probably mm -hmm. the least interesting part of your whole health. If you're eating healthy and you're putting yourself in a healthy state, guess what happens? Oh, yeah, weight loss. But but it's not just – that's not the reason why you want to do a ketogenic diet is for weight loss. Yeah, that's a nice side effect. But the primary thing you want to do is be healthy. So I was uh, checking all these things, and I was looking at all these parameters that were happening, uh, intangibles that were happening in my health. So um, was I thinking clearer? Was I able to go many hours between meals? And that was probably the biggest shocker, Brett, was I was able to eat a meal that was super high in fat, moderated in protein, very low in carbs, and be able to be satisfied with that one meal for the next 12 to 24 hours. Mm. Now, I used to be a carb addict. I used to be <laughs> the man that ate 16 or drank 16 cans of Coca-Cola a day and had big plates of pasta and had, you know, all this garbage, as I call it, uh, Little Debbie snack cakes and all these things that were just horrendous, upwards of probably 1,500 grams of refined carbohydrates a day. Suddenly, I'm eating 20 and and lots of fat, and that's keeping me satisfied. It, it's a dramatic shift when you stop and think about it. Um, and so the results were phenomenal. I did lose quite a bit of weight. Uh, I believe it was almost 80 pounds, uh, what, 40 kilo. Um, and I was able to get my blood sugar under control naturally uh, within just a few months as the blood ketone levels were going higher. We saw a corresponding blood sugar level going lower. 
in fact, lower to the point of some people thought those levels were hypoglycemic. But when you have higher ketone levels, you're going to naturally have lower blood sugar levels that are in a normal range that would seem to the average eyeball to be subnormal, but they're still normal, if that makes sense. <laughs> so you feel good and you're cognizant, you know, whereas if somebody was eating, you know, a crappy diet and they had that level of blood sugar, they would be hypoglycemic and they'd be shaky and they'd have all the negative ramifications. But nutritional ketosis gives you those great feelings. And uh, yeah, I definitely saw that within that year was able to come uh, asleep much better. I was struggling with sleep and I started sleeping. My circadian rhythms were just spot on. And uh, I'm a little worried about that coming back to Australia again and <laughs> my circadian rhythms get all messed up again, but that's all right. It's worth it. <laughs> so, Jimmy, obviously before you did this 12-month experiment, I mean you'd already been doing like a low-carb approach, So, yeah. um, but you'd seen sort of a bit of a plateau, I guess, in terms of your results. So I'd love you to talk a little bit about what sort of happened there and how that had plateaued and what had happened. And then I guess what was the difference between what you had been doing in terms of yeah. a low-carb approach and then moving into this nutrition ketosis approach yeah it was more than a plateau I was actually gaining weight and I was having uh, I was feeling horrible and it was it reminded me that this is so much more than just low carb yeah. you know I, I'd, I'd been the low carb guy that low carb guy for you know eight years at that point and people are like well uh, you're gaining weight so low carb must not work for you anymore and I'm going, no, 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 let, let's wait a minute. Let's take a look at all the things that are going on here. And what I found was I was committing some basic errors that I think a lot of people who start on a low-carb diet make. And one of the biggest errors that I made was just assuming that being low-carb meant ketogenic. So that's not true. <laughs> low-carb is like one stool, uh, one leg of a three-legged stool. Uh, low, low carb and, and low carb is going to be defined differently for everybody. You have to find your personal carbohydrate tolerance level. So for me, I've known for years what my personal carbohydrate tolerance level, it's right around 30 grams of carbs a day. That's it. Um, I, I often joke people that I ate all the carbs I was allowed to have in the first 32 <laughs> years of my life. So the rest of my life, I have to keep them limited. I'm just kidding. So, uh, so yeah, about 30 grams. And so another mistake that I made, and this, I think, Brett, was the, the biggie. I was over-consuming protein. And in Keto Clarity, we talk about why this is a big deal. There's this process known as gluconeogenesis. It's a long G word. Short, short uh, for it is GNG. But when you have GNG going on, that's where you're eating too much protein and your liver has to do something with that excess protein. Guess what it does? It turns that protein into glucose. So while it's not the same thing as necessarily eating carbohydrates, it's pretty darn close because it'll raise your blood sugar and it will kill your ketones. So that's why you have to keep protein at a moderate level, which is kind of the key for me. So for me, keeping it to about 80 to 100 grams of protein a day in addition to that 30 grams of carbohydrate was a big key. So that's about, what, about four to six ounces of meat, for example, um, and maybe an egg or two would, would comprise that 80 to 100 grams of protein. And then the final leg to that three-legged stool to get into ketosis is fat. You have to probably eat more dietary fat than you've ever thought about in your entire life. 
So I'm talking about real food-based saturated and monounsaturated fats, so things like butter, cream, full-fat meats and cheeses. Uh, that's all the saturated fat, coconut oil, saturated fats, monounsaturated fats like avocados, avocado oil, olive oil, macadamia nut oil. All of those are high-quality fats that, you know, before I started doing this, I would have thought anybody eating that much fat, you're crazy. But it's what I needed to do to give me the raw materials to be able to make ketones so I can get all of those therapeutic benefits that I now enjoy. Jimmy, uh, you mentioned there uh, some of the learnings that you had along the way. And, you know, you're... uh you, you put yourself out there with regards to your journey so as to be able to inspire and help others. And one of the things about the internet these days is that there are uh, people uh, looking for any opportunity that they can to just uh, viciously attack someone or, 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 or drag them down or rip them down. And, and I've seen some stuff uh, around the place where you've been hit pretty hard from different types of groups. And there's a lot of our listeners that, uh, you know, that are uh, – uh, out there trying to inspire others to be wellness warriors themselves and, and uh, you know, yep. put forward what they think is working best. So what are some of the uh, ways that you've dealt with those criticisms um, so as to <laughs> assist other people who might who might come across that? I have to laugh because it was just three days ago as of uh, when we're recording this and uh, a vegan actually posted on Twitter, I wish you would die now. Oh, God. <laughs> and, wow. You know, I... I see those things, and of course, those things devastate my wife, Christine. She's like, oh my God, how do you how do you handle that? And I'm going, you know what? They don't know me. They don't know me personally. Uh, they don't really know anything about me. That all they have is a concept of me, and whatever their image in their mind is of me, I, I can't control that. All I can do is be who I am. I responded back to that person. You know, I'm I'm sorry you feel that way. I, I don't know you. I wish you know we could get to know each other. I wish you well in, in whatever issues you're dealing with in your life right now that would make you say something like that to a complete stranger. And and I wished him well. And that's mm. how you handle those people is you can't take anything you hear online. I've been online for over a decade now, but you can't take anything people say to you online at face value. They're responding to issues in their own life. Uh, there's too much good in this world to be done to get bogged down by the people who would be the naysayers. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, Jimmy, because I think a lot of people do struggle with this. And, and I've got to be honest, Jimmy, and I'm probably admitting stuff here, but when you came out to see us last time and you're in the middle of your ketosis experiment, you know, even knowing everything I know about food and everything I know about fat and how important fat is and what ketosis is and what, you know, high fat, low carb is, you know, watching you eat lunch, Jimmy, and, and eating all that butter, <laughs> like there's just something within you that still just goes, oh, that's not right. You know, we, we're so yeah. conditioned to think a certain way about fat that we right. just kind of go, that's actually a little bit confronting, even though you know that it's that it's okay. And logically, you can kind of go, you know, this is all right. So, you know, do you get lots of, I guess, like funny looks or comments or questions about that? And and I guess the reason I'm asking this is because I think there'd be a few listeners listening in thinking, hey, if I started eating like that, imagine how other people are going to look at me. How are other people going to judge me? What are other people going to say to me? And, and, you know, I'd love you to give your answer to perhaps help them understand how they can do it too if that's the approach they want to take. Sure. So, yeah, you are going to eat more fat than you've ever eaten in your entire life. And, yes, I'm quite infamous with my butter in my meals. <laughs> in fact, my co-author um, of Keto Clarity is Dr. Eric Westman, a world-famous researcher and, and uh, 
a physician at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, and he took me out to this restaurant there in Durham uh, for a, it was for a burger. They have this burger called the defibrillator. Now. <laughs> It's called the defibrillator because they still buy into the notion that fat's going to clog your arteries and all this. So it's a hamburger with cheese on top and chili and a hot dog and kind of like all this stuff like thrown together. And when I ordered the defibrillator without the bun, of course, (laughs) I said, bring me more butter than you've ever brought any human being in your life. I think that's actually and what you said when we went to lunch, I, Jimmy. I'm pretty sure you I said that. I said that. Thing. Yep. And so I actually put this story in the book and, and I get looks from waitresses when I do that. In fact, there was one place in Austin, Texas. Uh, I went to the Paleo FX conference there a couple of years ago and I ordered breakfast and I, and I said, they'll bring me more butter than you have. Uh, and so they brought me 16 pack, packs of butter. <laughs> I sat there and ate all 16 with that meal and I could see him like over there in the corner, like staring at me and, Oh my God, is he, he's eating the eighth one, eighth one and the ninth <laughs> one. But you know are, what? Are we talking like the full on like big packs of butter you get at the supermarket or are we talking like the little side ones you get when you yeah, get just a the little side ones. Okay, okay. Little side just ones. checking. <laughs> no, I'm not eating that much butter. But I, I do eat a lot of butter and I'll tell you why it's important because I can eat a meal like that, you guys, and I can go long periods of time before I have to eat again. And I think about our hunter gatherer ancestors, you know, whenever they had a big kill, I bet they didn't go, hmm, let me find the leanest part of the the meat on this animal. No, they went right for the brain. They went right for the fattiest parts of that animal. And you know, they loaded up on that. And guess what? That was able to sustain them until the next kill or until they could get a few, you know, vegetative uh, things here and there to kind of satisfy themselves until they got the next kill. Um, This isn't that abnormal. It's abnormal in our culture because we live in a culture of we have breakfast time and then snack time, um, morning snack, and then we have a lunch, and then we have afternoon snack, and then we have dinner and after dinner snack, and then midnight snack. So we've been conditioned in this culture to have food literally all the time, and yet that's not normal. So we're trying to shift that paradigm back to what the real normal is, and the real normal is you probably only need to eat about once or twice a day. And the way you yeah. do that is eat a lot of fat. So, Jimmy, that brings me to the next thing I was going to ask you about. And I'm pretty sure I already know what your answer is to this. But but I'm still seeing everywhere people saying breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And, and just talking <laughs> about how, you know, if you skip breakfast, right. then your whole world's going to fall apart. So um, I'd, love, I'd love to hear your answer to that. Yeah, uh, I, I could agree that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I disagree that it has to be in the morning. <laughs> Because think about the word breakfast. All it means is break the fast. That's all it means. So you could break the fast at two o'clock in the afternoon. That's your breakfast. And so when you look at the word for what it is, you're breaking the fast. That's why we have the word breakfast. You're breaking the overnight fast. But nobody says you have to do it at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. You could do it at two o'clock in the afternoon. Jimmy, I had a look at uh, the the little sort of um, blurb slash teaser for your book on Amazon, and I just want to read it here because uh, it's it's very it's very um, attractive. So it says here the solid evidence for nutritional ketosis in dealing with many of the chronic health problems of our day is uh, is presented in your book. So including epilepsy, type two diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular metabolic syndrome, 
polycystic ovarian syndrome, irritable, irritable bowel syndrome, heartburn, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. The good evidence for ketogenic diets is also shared in dealing with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, dementia, mental illness, schizophrenia, bipolar depression, narcolepsy, and sleep disorders. Plus, you'll get the details on the emerging science that's showing great promise in treating cancer, autism, migraines, chronic pain, uh, brain injury, stroke, kidney disease, and so much more. Um, Keto Clarity is your definitive guide to uh, to the benefits of low carb, high fat diet. Um, so, with regards to brain health, uh, Jimmy, can you tell me why uh, straying away from those energy dense, um, high fat foods has has caused us that drama um, at, with our brain and you know things like brain shrinkage by ten percent over the duration of our lives and things like that? Oh, man, I am on a crusade to put fat back in the diet again. I think we are not a fat um, over fat. We're not consuming too much fat. We're not consuming enough of the right kinds of fats. When people say high fat does this and that and all this to your health, I look at what they're talking about. And most of our food supply has these vegetable oils. And I know uh, you guys have David Gillespie there in, in Australia really coming down hard on those toxic oils. And they are truly the toxic oils in our diet. That's not what we're talking about when we say a high fat diet. What we're talking about is real whole sources of saturated and monounsaturated fats, uh, all those ones we listed earlier, the, the butter, the full-fat meats and cheeses and, and things like that. And that, oh my gosh, if you eat that, your brain is going to scream, thank you, because it's what your brain craves is those fats. People don't realize this, but 25% of the fat in your body is actually in your brain. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a rare fact that that 25%, one-fourth of all the fat is in your brain. So why would you deprive your body of this essential brain element and yet people do it all the time. But, well, I don't want to clog my arteries. And, we, of course, we address that in Cholesterol Clarity, why that's a myth. But you've got to eat fat because your brain loves it. And what happens is your brain will actually function a lot better on ketone bodies. Like right now, I'm in a very ketogenic state, so I'm very aware. My mood is great. I have great clarity of mind, all pun intended. Uh, you know, all of those things happen because I'm eating a lot of fat in my diet. Without the fat, your brain is going to be uh, declined. And, you know, I see a lot of these things around the world, people going crazy, doing school shootings. And, you know, it makes you stop and wonder, I wonder, are they not eating enough fat? And had they eaten more fat, would they need to take, you know, these psychotic drugs? And it's it's really amazing when you kind of stop and think through all of these mental health issues we supposedly have. Yeah, I say it's not a mental health issue. I say it's a lack of fat mm. issue. And I reckon, Jimmy, that I find I, I sort of almost use two different languages when I'm talking to people about the importance of using fat. And I find that when I talk to the girls, then that one tends to work really well. You talk to them about their brain and stress and those sort of things and they tend to get yep. it and then when i talk to the guys i usually talk about the other brain you know and i go <laughs> you know, these fats are really important i'm like you know do you like sex because because these fats are really important for all of your reproductive function all of those right. hormones going on in your body you know if you want to be doing right. that well then you need to eat fats and and i reckon the guys respond better to the little brain than the big brain sometimes 
Well, we're gonna we're gonna finish it on that classy note. Uh, thank you, Dr. Brett. Um, <laughs> thank you, Brett. Someone had yeah. to say it. It had to be said. Jimmy, just before I do wrap it up, can you please tell us a little bit about Low Carb Down Under and also the Low Carb Cruise uh, that you've got coming up? Yeah. So, um, Dr. Rod Taylor down in Melbourne uh, has invited me and my wife Christine to come back, um, and we're doing a. a tour we're actually going to start in Auckland we're, we're going to ha- you know head over to New Zealand first uh, we missed that on our last trip so we're doing Auckland on Thursday November the 13th but then we're doing all kinds of dates throughout um, Australia uh, the 15th of November Melbourne will be in Byron on the 18th we'll be in the Gold Coast on the 20th Brisbane on the 22nd uh, there in Adelaide with uh, Dr. Brett on the 25th, Perth on the 26th, and then finishing up the tour on the 29th in Sydney. So uh, they're working us to death this time, but that's okay. Uh, really look forward to sharing about cholesterol and sharing about ketosis uh, from our two books the last couple of years. Uh, so yeah, that's the low carb down under, uh, tour. Uh, I think they're going to have some information up real soon about that. So definitely check out lowcarbdownunder.com.au. And then, uh, yeah, the low carb cruise, this is something that I am really excited about sharing about, uh, in 2015, May of 2015, we're going, uh, on another low carb cruise leaving out of, uh, Florida in America. So, uh, we would love to have some Aussies come and, uh, we actually have had international guests every single year. This uh, this year, we actually had people from South Africa and Canada and the UK and literally all over the world. It's 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 really exciting, and this will be our eighth one coming up in 2015. Lowcarbcruiseinfo.com is that website. Excellent. Thanks, Jimmy. And, and thanks so much for taking your time to come and speak to us uh, today as well. Um, Jimmy's new book is called Click Keto Clarity, Your Definitive Guide to the Benefits of Low-Carb, High-Fat Diet. And uh, if, you're any, if you're a mother-in-law out there, perhaps you want to uh, grab yourself a copy and, and give it to your son-in-law. I love it. <laughs> for those who'd like to get their hands on a copy, you can pre-order it now through Amazon. And the official release date is August 5 this year. Jimmy's also a prolific podcaster and blogger, and he always has the best quality guests. You can check out his website, liveinlevitalowcarb.com. That's liveinlevitalowcarb.com to find out more about his wellness message and follow him on social networking. Um, it's uh, because it's. Uh, He's always got his finger on the pulse. Well, there you have it, guys. We hope you enjoyed this show as much as we did. Make sure you head over to our website, thatpaleoshow.com, to sign up for our amazing newsletter uh, and to gain access to all the latest news, special offers, and competitions. Until next week, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, share your story, and help to grow the Paleo Tribe worldwide. Hi, Kim Morrison here from Up For A Chat. Cindy, Karen and I cannot wait to arrive in Melbourne for this year's event. The Wellness Couch publishes over 300 podcasts per year, but there is only one Wellness Summit in 2014 and we want you to be there. We want to meet our listeners and share with you the information that we simply cannot put onto a podcast. If you're ready to take your health and your life to another level, then join us crazy Up For A Chat girls, the gorgeous hunk of spunk wellness guys and some very special guests at this year's summit. Tickets are just $297 and are available at thewellnesssummit.com. Can't wait to see you there.
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.